Roofing.net. The NFL announced that the Bears and Vikings will both play home games at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London next season. The dates and opponents yet to be announced. The Packers getting ready to face Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys on Sunday. DraftKings line has the Packers a seven and a half point underdog. It's the end of an era in the NFL as the Patriots and Bill Belichick are parting ways. Belichick led the Patriots to six Super Bowl titles during his 24 years with the team. I'm Doug Thompson. For the win. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios. Where every Thursday, Bubba's boneless wings are half price. Score! This is Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back. It's our two of Midler and Condon on a Thursday Another hour to go before Murph and Andy come in, followed by the drive with Heather and Sean. An impending snowstorm that can mean only one thing. Iowa basketball getting ready to play a home game in January. Joining us to talk about that and a whole lot more, he is David Eicholt, 24-7 Sports, and he joins us here today. David, as always, appreciate the time. Thanks for jumping aboard with us. You getting ready, getting the chains on the tires, getting your way to Carver over the weekend? Yeah, I'm still waiting for my parka to come in the mail, but you know we'll uh, we'll trudge through it. Maybe get eight dogs and a sled, and maybe that's how I'll get there based on the snow. But we'll we'll find a way regardless to get there. Eight thirty tip off, difficult in its own right, coupled with the winter storm that's going to be coming in overnight. Iowa basketball throughout the years, look, we've seen the attendance figures. They have not been great, certainly this season, and anticipated even more from even past years. But it feels like this one's going to be a tough one to get people inside of Carver on Friday night. Yeah, and, you know, I just remember the 8.30 start time myself because I I wasn't going to check it until tomorrow, but I remember that was the story. So thanks for reminding me of that. Uh, But I'm with you. I mean, with the snowstorm and everything else going on, and, you know, I know a lot of people talk about the attendance. I do think there's a little bit of kind of, you know, apathy, like a lethargic feeling about Iowa men's basketball from the fan base. But I'd also point to this, that there's so much demand for women's basketball right now. And to see Iowa women's, I think people are just much more willing to put in their time and funds uh, to go see the women's team. And, you know, I don't blame them when you have a talent like Caitlin Clark on that team. But I'm very curious what the crowd's going to look like tomorrow. I know the students might be starting to come back here over the next couple of days as well. But, you know, with Nebraska, this is not your father's Nebraska team. I mean, mm-hmm. they're fresh off a thrashing of number one Purdue. I think this is the roster that Hoiberg's really been, uh, you know, trying to build, I think, over the past couple of seasons. But with that being said, best-case scenario for Iowa in this game might have been Nebraska beating number one Purdue earlier this week. I'm right there with you, and we see it happen so often in college athletics, that letdown after a big victory going on the road. They're probably going to have to change their plans, had to get out of Lincoln a little bit earlier than they normally would. Going to be a whole lot there. And Iowa got their first win over the weekend against Rutgers. Plenty of time to prepare. The question is, they did it without Patrick McCaffrey. It was an anticipation that he was going to be back. What's the latest on Patrick McCaffrey returning for the Hawkeyes on uh, the matchup tomorrow night? Yeah, I still think his stash is up in the air, but just kind of reading in between the lines with Fran McCaffrey yesterday, I think Fran's full expectation is Patrick's going to go. He said he's not 100%, but he's doing, quote, much better. He was going to do some stuff in practice yesterday. We'll see what happens today when the team meets for shoot-around and everything else. Uh, but I, I right now, just based off Fran's language, I believe that Patrick will play 
uh, tomorrow. And, you know, I think you you need as much length as you can get against this Nebraska team, especially when you have to defend a guy like Kisei Tominaga, who is quickly becoming one of my favorite players in the Big Ten to watch, if not the country. His off-the-ball movement is awesome, and he just brings a really cool energy uh, to the game. But I expect Tony Perkins to really kind of be in charge of that if they go man on man but for Patrick again I, I think it's going to be a game time decision but from you know from Fran I, I'm not going to be surprised if Patrick goes so it was illness that was cited before the game Saturday against Rutgers yet he showed up on the bench illness does not have to mean sickness so what are we led to believe on that front he had the break the mental pause a year ago is it more that was it actually a sickness or is it just open to interpretation at this point in time yeah, I think it's open to interpretation. I mean, as you mentioned, he was on the bench with the team despite, you know, being listed with an illness. And we haven't really asked Fran directly about it. I think the way we, as a media, have kind of phrased this, how's Patrick doing? How's he kind of feeling more than anything else? So I would say it's open to interpretation. Uh, but, you know, I think that's really all we can say right now, just because I'm kind of with you. I really don't want to speculate if, he, if the anxiety is flaring up or if he's having some mental health issues. If that is the case, you know, we've seen Patrick last year, he came out with the statement and took that, I believe it was a six game pause and really opened up uh, a big conversation among big 10 teams regarding, you know, athletes and anxiety. So I think if that is the case again, I, I think maybe we'll find out more in the future about that. And I bet Patrick would ha- I don't want to say happily go public with that again, but he's already done it once. So, you know, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that he would do it again, but I do think right now it's kind of too early to speculate on it. Saw uh, Brock Harding, his minutes uh, dropping down, down to single digits against Rutgers, just my, nine minutes in that one, 12 against Wisconsin, 13 against Northern Illinois, going back to the final game of the non-conference. Is it just a fact right now that too much out there? Fran McCaffrey just thinks that there's better options at the point guard spot. Why have we not seen as many minutes? I thought they'd be increasing as the year went on for Brock Harding. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm interested in as well. I'm with you, especially, you know, before those games. I mean, he put up a double-double, a first career double-double against UMBC, 10-10, and 10, had a lot of those flashy passes. Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to kind of watch because I do think there is a big adjustment period when it comes to defending at the Big Ten level. I know people might roll their eyes, oh, yeah, Fran McCaffrey coach defenses. But we always knew that Brock Harding's size and just, kind of, you know, he's listed at six feet tall. Trent, he, he's probably about five ten and a half. Mm. Like he's not six feet tall. Okay, as as somebody who is six foot four, mm. I'm telling you, he's not six feet tall. Uh, but I do think you know the defense is a problem right now. I still think he has to become a little bit more consistent of a shooter. I mean, he right now he's one for his last eight, and he's only you know one of his last ten from the field as well. One of eight from three, one of ten from the field. So I think that's also a concern. And when you just don't have the size, you don't have the length to defend Big Ten guards. We know he can protect the basketball. We know he makes good passes. But I think right now it's just about learning and growing and making most of those minutes that he will get uh, just to kind of overcome, I don't want to say those shortcomings, but just that transition period to really, really big-time basketball rather than a Northern Illinois, rather than a UMBC. We're talking with six foot two David Eichholt from 24-7 Sports. <laughs> All right, Eichholt. Uh, this is the appetizer for Saturday night and what should be an epic showdown. Mackenzie Holmes and Indiana come in the last time they were in Carver. Caitlin Clark walked it off with the buzzer beater in the corner to send Iowa to the regular season title. Should be another great matchup and certainly the best team that Iowa's seen in a really long time with the Hoosiers coming to town. What do you think we're going to see Saturday night? I can't wait. I mean, you got Gus Johnson coming in. I believe Fox is going to be nationally televised on Fox. I mean, this is big time. 
women's basketball. I, I really think this is going to be another one of those classic legacy Caitlin Clark games. And you know that there has to be a rivalry between Terry Moore and, and this Indiana team and Caitlin Clark and these Hawkeyes. And I'm just, I'm really excited to see the intensity. I'm curious if they, if they finally learn to double team Caitlin Clark off the inbounds, especially when everybody knows that she's going to take the shot. But this is going to be a game where if Caitlin Clark drops 40, 45 points, Trent, I'm seriously not going to be surprised. I think Mackenzie Holmes is going to be a big problem in post. I think Hannah Stolke, Sharon Goodman, and Asno Grady are going to have to put together the most consistent defensive performance. And an X factor for Indiana, Sydney Parrish has been tremendous this year. She's been red hot from three over these past couple of games. She can really play a big factor as well. We know they lost Grace Berger, but as you mentioned, I think this is the most complete team. Iowa's probably played this year. Kansas State, we know their defense is very good. We know Iowa split the season series in the non-conference. But this is going to kind of give one team an upper hand in the Big Ten Conference. So if Iowa wants to make it another Big Ten title, this is a quote-unquote must-win game, in my opinion, because the Big Ten's not as good as I think a lot of people thought uh, now that we're kind of in the midst of college basketball. Great shooting night last night overall for the squad. Gabby Marshall start, starting to find her stroke a little bit. Four more three-pointers after shooting well against Rutgers last Friday night. You know, I want to talk to you about Sydney Falter, a, a young lady that you wondered kind of what her role was going to be. We saw her in spurts a season ago, but not a whole lot. She has come in there, and for somebody listed at 5'11", she's incredibly strong. She's an excellent rebounder. She can knock down shots. She has become a really important piece to this Iowa team, and if they're going to get to the heights of a year ago, I think a Fulter's going to be a big part of that. She's just tough, man. I mean, that's the thing. Like, You need players like her on your team if you want to go far. I look at her. I look at Kate Martin, mm-hmm. who's playing, I think, the best offensive basketball of her career. She's you know She can give you 15 a night at this point, which is – a game-changing thing for this Iowa offense. But you're right. A falter's hustle, her ability to hit the three, she's not afraid to step back out. Her percentages are going up. She's averaging seven and a half and seven. She's a double-double. You know, she could get you that every night, I think, with with significant minutes. Had 14, six, and four assists last night, only one turnover, five to six from the field. She's playing her most consistent basketball of her career. I think we've seen flashes even a year ago. I know she only averaged two and two and a half. But for her to really just embrace the role of being, I would say her and Kate Martin being the toughest players on the floor, and that's no shot at Caitlin Clark for as much contact as she takes when she drives in. A Falter and Martin, just the little things they do, the hustle plays, the way they defend, the way they're they're just so scrappy. She's been incredibly, incredibly impressive this season. And you're right. I think if Iowa wants to make another Final Four run, they're going to need Sydney Falter uh, to continue doing what she's doing. And, yeah, she might not start, but I'll tell you, she is going to be in some of those end-of-game lineups because you just can't replace, I think, what she brings to the table. going to be fun on Saturday night, and I do wonder with, obviously, the NFL playoff game being on Peacock and people searching around. I had to call my dad last night. He's a Chiefs fan and, and make sure that he had everything set up. He thinks he does, but there's going to be plenty of people. Well, I can't figure this Peacock thing out. I guess I'll be watching women's hoops. I, I'm very excited to see what kind of number this does on Big Spot uh, Fox Saturday night. Yeah, and again, I think Caitlin Clark's profile is just completely taken off. And I think Fox has done a tremendous job in promoting this game. Mm-hmm. Gus Johnson being on the call, I think, you know, they've been talking about this for, I think, a, over, at least over a week now, maybe a week and a half. So you just kind of don't see that buzz, you know, not even just about their men's games, but just especially in women's basketball. So for them to really kind of use this as a, a forefront of what women's college basketball could be and putting the biggest stars on the biggest stage, I think they've done a really, really good job of that. And I'm with you. I think Peacock's going to play a significant factor as well. Uh, 
the fact that the playoff game's on there and people just don't want to invest the money. They'll just read the updates on Twitter or go to ESPN or something to get the updates on that game and turn on uh, Caitlin Clark and the Hawkeyes taking on a really good Indiana team. HawkeyeInsider.com, where you go for David Eichholt and a lot of conversation happening on the message boards about a whole lot of things as it pertains to football. Let's get into the football talk now here, David, and start things off. The search for the offensive coordinator. Uh, here we are, January 11th, deep into the second week of January. Second or third week in January is what Kirk Ferentz initially said uh, back when you guys were uh, covering things and hearing things about what was going to happen with the search for the OC. Here we are. Um, where are we? What, what can that kind of update can you give the listeners? Yeah, I think that's the big question mark right now. I still think, you know, there's a lot of rumblings that Paul Christ was you know, you know, no longer the front runner. I can confirm that that's really not true right now. I still think Paul Christ is in the midst of, you know, potentially taking the job. Joe Philbin, I still believe, is a candidate as well. There's still some mystery candidates that have been rumored. Nothing really hardcore confirmed. A lot of sources are pretty locked on about it. And I know Iowa fans are very frustrated about how this process has played out, especially when you look at, oh, Nick Saban retired yesterday, and then they told their players, hey, we're going to have a head coach, we hopefully, within the next 72 hours. Mm-hmm. They might have, you know, Iowa's now going on, I believe, day 73 uh, <laughs> since Brian Ferentz has been terminated. Oh, day 73. And I know that you aren't, you aren't going to do it in the midst of, you know, the season. I completely get that. Uh, but I do think right now, I think we'll hear something by next week. I think it has to be in place. And, you know, the reality is right now with the portal being closed, except, you know, to Alabama and, you know, other programs making head coaching changes, there's really no more need to be, quote, unquote, in a hurry. They just need to get this higher right. I think at this point more than anything else, Trent. And again, I know people are frustrated. I can assure you that people like Trent, myself, and a lot of my other media colleagues are just as fed up as everyone yes. else about this. I think we're all ready for this to kind of go away, I think, at this point, and just kind of look ahead rather than just kind of waiting for news to happen. No doubt about it, yes. It's something that has just been lingering and being drug on and so many different things out there. One thing that I have heard, I don't know if you've heard the same kind of thing, in order to get a big-time offensive coordinator, you got to spend money. Do we know if the athletic department, the football program, we know money shouldn't be an object. Has money been a conversation piece as they've looked out there and reached out to some different names? Yeah, I think it has been. I think you look at Brian Ferentz's salary, uh, you know, from last year, $750,000. And if you really want to get a high-level offensive coordinator, you have to shell out a million and a half, I would say, at least. Mm. And on top of that, Trent, how are you going to pay someone to come fix the offense when you don't, when you have the nation's best defensive coordinator not even making that much money? Because if you bring in an offensive coordinator and you pay him a million and a half to two million, you better damn well give Phil Parker a raise for what he's done, especially over the past three years, right? Uh, so I do think money is, you know, I think it's come up in conversations. I don't want to say it's been a make or break from certain candidates, but I do think right now I have a concern about if Iowa's budget right now is limiting their candidate pool. And I think that should be a legitimate concern going forward. Yes, I think we'll get clarity uh, over the next couple of weeks how true a lot of those rumors are. But I've heard from a variety of sources that right now it is a, it is a layer to this problem. And I don't want to say it's why I, I was been lingering on it, but it is going to be an issue, I think, moving forward. But then you look at LSU, Trent, <laughs> who they just get. They hired the Texas defensive line coach, right? Yep. They're paying him $1.25 million. Mm-hmm. Scared money don't make money. You want to compete? You have an all-time defense? You know, you better start shelling out some money if you want to, you know, have a shot at a playoff next season. Because with that defense, and if the punting is good again next year, 
you need a top 85 offense, and I think you're potentially looking at a 10-2 Iowa team. And I, I don't think that's that crazy to say. We're not talking about anything crazy. What you just said, a top 85 offense to have a shot of being a playoff team. And, and outside of the game at Ohio State, as we uh, just find out that Marvin Harrison Jr. has officially declared for the draft, outside of that game, though, this is about as good of a schedule in the new Big Ten as you could draw up. Yeah, Washington's coming in. They got a bunch of reloads going on. You look at the other yep. opponents. Minnesota, a little payback there for Iowa. Michigan State, year number one of a new regime. Northwestern, Wisconsin, you get them both at home. You beat both those teams on the road a year ago. UCLA, Chip Kelly, likely in his final season with the Bruins there. Maryland's looking for a new quarterback. Nebraska, I mean, outside of that Buckeye game, this is not a tough Big Ten slate next year. No, it's not. Like you said, Washington's replacing a whole bunch. You know, we'll see what happens with Iowa State. I know Iowa State fans are very optimistic. That should be an interesting non-conference test. I you know Minnesota really doesn't move a needle for me, and I think Iowa's going to be incredibly motivated after what happened and what shouldn't have happened. I don't care what anybody says. The invalid catch was the stupidest call of the season. Maybe outside of Caitlin Clark's half-court shot last night, <laughs> that didn't count, because that yeah. probably should have counted, too. Uh, but no, I'm with you, man. I mean, I, I think you look at the schedule, you can see 10-2. and two. You can see 11-1. and one. I think Wisconsin at home is going to be a huge game. I would say it's going to be the Big Ten West decider, but there's no more uh, Big Ten West yeah, and right. Big Ten East. Uh, right? But I'm with you. I, I, you know, Iowa returns eight of their 11 defensive starters. There's a lot of opportunity on the table. And, you know, if I'm an offensive coordinator looking at going to Iowa, I see that defense in place. And if I'm Kirk Ferentz, my entire pitch is make this off. I'll give you the keys. Make this offense tolerable because we have a championship level defense and we have guys that are really, really excited. Uh, you know, the potential of the team and they're running it back for a reason. So a lot of opportunity, but now the ball's in Kirk Ferentz's court to really make. I, I would say one of the most important hires, at least the last important hire of the Kirk Ferentz era. Finally, David, a lot of rumblings over here in Central Iowa, and I'm sure over in Eastern Iowa, during the winter break about Caden Proctor not being overly happy during his freshman campaign in Alabama, maybe looking at the portal. It didn't happen, but now the portal opens back up with the news of Nick Saban retiring. 30-day window now opens up once again. There's definitely been smoke. There's been smoke out there going back to right around Christmas time, and, and it's been out there for a while, I know, here across central Iowa, but it's just that. There's, there's nothing concrete. What do you know about the Caden Proctor situation, and is there a path? Is there a path for him to come the way that he left uh, the Hawkeye football program, obviously, you know, up there waiting for him to come down, and then a day before signing day making his way to Alabama? What's, if anything, you can tell us on that front? Yeah, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, I've heard the rumblings as well, but the reality is I'm not going to buy any stock into it until Caden Proctor, if Caden Proctor enters the NCAA transfer portal. I think if he enters the NCAA transfer portal, I think there's a way and a pathway for him to get back to Iowa City. Um, You know, I think right now I know there's a lot of ill feelings about it, but Trent, if a five-star offensive tackle, number one offensive tackle in his class, the guy who started for Alabama all 13 games, uh, or 14 games during the season, called and said, hey, I want to come to your school. You're not hanging up the phone. Your pride's not going to be above that, mm-hmm. especially when you look at the Iowa offensive line over the past couple of years. You take a guy with Kane Proctor's makeup, a guy that could be a future top 10 NFL draft pick, maybe a top five NFL draft pick if he puts it all together. If he enters the NCAA port- transfer portal, I will be keeping a close eye on Iowa. Uh, but until that, if that happens, you know, my, my guess is he's going to stay at Alabama. And, you know, as you mentioned, the rumblings have been real. Uh, but right now he's not in the portal, and if Alabama finds a way to keep him, good on them. If he enters the portal, 
you know, I, there's going to be no short list of suitors for him. Right. But the big deal for me also, Trent, is will there be a no contact on his portal entry? Because mm. if there's a no contact on his portal entry, you know, I'd probably quickly put in a crystal ball for Iowa. Is that because so- I think it makes the most sense. Is that something you guys have access to at 24-7? I know you see a lot of the portal entries. Do you see if that no contact order is in there? Uh, yeah, we will. We have sources that can... Uh, give us that sort of information. Mm. So it'll be, like I said, it'll be very interesting, I think, over the next 72 hours if he enters the portal. If not, then I anticipate him staying at at Alabama. And, again, I'm not even saying if he enters the portal he's going to Iowa because there's going to be no short list of suitors for Caden Proctor if he goes in the portal. Good stuff. Hey, appreciate it. As always, keep an eye out, HawkeyeInsider.com. And David Colt, the latest on everything going on inside the world of the Hawkeyes. We'll get you out on this. Uh, your Packers going to win on, uh, what, Sunday afternoon? Yep. Yep. It was uh, it was great, man. You know, I'm very proud. I, I need to eat a lot of crow about Jordan Love. Yeah. It's nice to have another Hall of Fame quarterback for 15 years. Yeah, would be nice. I don't know anything about that <laughs> as a Bears fan. Yeah, you're, you're living on the high hog over there, Eichel. Hey, good talking to you. We'll talk to you again soon. Hey, I appreciate you trying to take care, buddy. David Eichel joining us here to kick off our number two. It's time for the $1,000 swoosh. Head to KXNO.com right now and enter the nationwide contest. The keyword for this hour is green. That's green at KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000. Green at KXNO.com. Standard data and message rate supply. Stay tuned. Your next chance to win coming up in about an hour during Murph and Andy. Well, we talked about Alabama, the goodbye to Nick Saban. We'll bring in our guy from Alabama. He is Bama Bob. He'll join us next as we say goodbye to the greatest coach in college football history. Nick Saban will do that. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When we come back, it's Miller and Condon. KXNO. If you have a low interest rate on your property and a lower tolerance for tenants, then you have two choices. Sell it and say goodbye to a great investment or keep it. Hold on to that rate and let the professional landlords at Renner's Warehouse manage it for you. Why hire Renner's Warehouse? Because we free you to do the things you love, like take a vacation, have dinner with your family, or acquire more properties to achieve more financial independence. You already know that renting delivers cash flow, appreciation, and and tax benefits. Renters Warehouse also frees you from finding tenants, collecting rent, and handling those annoying 3 a.m. maintenance calls. The choice is yours. Sell your property, keep DIYing everything, or hire Renters Warehouse to get the best of all worlds. You're free to cancel within 90 days.
days and even get your management fees back. Go to renterswarehouse.com today to book your free home rental price analysis or call 515-528-44. Get your podcast. Last summer, my house was hit with hail. Between assessing damage on the roof and dealing with insurance, it can be a stressful situation. Luckily for me, it wasn't stressful because I called my friends with Wolf Roofing. We were able to get a new roof on our family home in one day. It looked sharp, everything was cleaned up, and now we have peace of mind with our new roof. Set up your next roofing project with Wolf Roofing at 515-225-8866. Or you can go online at Wolf Roof. Get in on the kit with the world's largest sports book. Right at your fingertips. Circa Sports Iowa is where the pros play. Enjoy the highest limits, lowest takeouts, and competitive betting menus. Download, fund, and bet from anywhere in Iowa. Circa Sports Iowa. Sports betting the way it should be. Download your new bookie today. Visit CircaSports.com. Must be over 21 and present in Iowa to bet. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-6- In the evening. Back with you, Miller and Connick continues on KXNO, taking you up until 1 o'clock. Murph and Andy waiting in the wings. Right now, when you hear the music, you know what that means. It's time for Bama Bob on a Thursday. Season's over. Not normally a time we're talking to Bama very often, but the news that obviously absolutely shocked a lot of people out there. The timing was crazy. A whole lot of different elements to get into right now. With Bama Bob is Nick Saban has gone away. This is also a welfare check. You okay down there, Bama? <laughs> I'm okay. There's a lot of people that aren't. Yeah. Um, you know, it was funny because they had some freshmen, uh, you know, obviously, as you would expect, the news coverage of this was wall-to-wall down here, you know, 6 o'clock news, 10 o'clock news. If they could have, if the ABC station could have broken into the uh, NBA game between the Warriors <laughs> and the Pelicans, they would have done another three hours on it. I mean, it was, you know, but they had some, some students who, you know, some freshman students who, Yesterday was the first day of classes at Alabama, and they're just like, "This is why we came." Was you know Alabama football and Nick Saban, and and that's another side of this, and we can get into it if we have time about the the impact off the field that he's had on the university and the community. But you know, there's a lot of emotions. There's there was the initial shock and surprise, and th- this is something that has been kind of you know dealt with over the last two or three years as he's gotten sixty nine, seventy. You know, it can't go on forever, but. Uh, you know, so you're kind of used to the talk and the chatter a little bit. Early on, it was he's going to Texas, he's going back to the NFL, and that kind of went away, you know, for a few years. But um, I think that there's a lot of appreciation, you know, for what he did, obviously, on the field, off the field. It's just, I don't think you're ever going to see anything duplicated in this sport like that. And then I think there's also a lot of fear. <laughs> Is Alabama going to go the way of Texas or Florida or Miami or FSU and just kind of go into – purgatory for a while and you know as they look to for the new coach i think it's kind of obvious that they're not going to just be able to get the guy they want uh which i think was lanning who said he's staying but until somebody else is introduced at the podium i'm not going to buy that so we know how those things work but mm-hmm. there's just a lot of emotion and you know appreciation shock fear i think those are probably the the three that kind of stand out the most is where's the program headed and you know thankful for where it was the last 17 years and you know, the surprise that it's actually, this day's actually come. We were talking earlier when uh, Ken was on about this, and 
it doesn't matter who it is. They can make the perfect coaching hire. Of all mm-hmm. the candidates, Alabama, Byrne can get this exactly right, and it's likely not going to be good enough. The sustainability, the year-after-year greatness, what he has built this program is, is unsustainable in college football in today's day and age, yet he did that, and because of that, you don't want to be the guy that follows Nick Saban. I believe, in my lifetime, I am not going to see Alabama get back to those heights because it's just an impossibility with the changing landscape of college football. I don't think what he can, what he did is duplicated. And for younger people out there, Bama, it's not turnkey at Alabama. They had a long no. stretch of some bad, bad football for a really long time. We're talking 15 years after Gene Stallings yeah. won in 1991. That was a long time before Saban got it back at the level that he built it into. This is so inevitable that... Whoever takes over and the next two, three, four, five coaches that take over <laughs> trying to duplicate what Saban done is impossible. Yeah, and I think that most people will realize that. I mean, like you said, I mean Bear Bryant didn't do it this well. Right. Okay. Yes. Now he had six you know, he had six national championships, obviously, but you know, he faded at the end as well. And um, you know, I think that's another thing that, that's important. You know, I saw the statement from Saban today, kind of the interview he gave with ESPN, and there were some comments, you know, that, you know, NIL, Dion, I think, said, you know, NIL forced him out, and he really pushed back against that. He's like, you know, listen, it, nothing pushed me away. It's just I can't do the job, you know, the 14, 15-hour days at 72 that I could at 62. And I, so, therefore, I don't think it's fair for me to just go year to year. It's not fair to recruiting and everything else. And how much longer do you really want to do this? You know, with the coaches turnover and the player turnover and, you know, NIL and all this other kind of thing, but nothing's forcing me out. It's, I don't think I can do the job to up to the standard that I set. And so, therefore, I think it's time for me to leave. And I think that is, in a nutshell, just what it is. And because, listen, I mean, he was three minutes away from playing for an eighth national championship, you know, against Michigan. So he's going out on top. No, he didn't win the last game. Okay. But where the program is, you know, he, he still signed the number one or two recruiting class, depending on what service you look at. They've had their fair share of the portal. They went to the playoff and were three minutes away from playing for an eighth national championship. It would have been the favorite to win. Would they have won it? Nobody will ever know. So he's not – this isn't Bobby Bowden or Paterno where they were just kind of hanging on for four or five years too long. And I think that says a lot about him and, and a lot of what he – of what the program and the university and the sport really mean to him is he's not just going to hang on. He's not going to tarnish his legacy by being there when he's 77, 78 years old and, you know, wearing an empty headset like Bobby Bowden did, yeah. you know, in his last couple of years. And, and, you know, the numbers, Trent, you mentioned it, they're just stupid when you look at it. And, you can look at it however you want. You know, 49 first-round draft picks. Um, you know, if you take out the first year at Alabama, he was 199-23. and 23. He was 116-14 and 14 in the SEC, six national championships, played for nine, nine SEC championships, played for ten. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's just it's unbelievable. Like you said, there's just the consistent success that he had year over year over year. It was just unbelievable. We'll never see it again. I think most people understand that we'll never see it again. Now the next guy with the 12-team playoff, 
you know, you're not going to want to miss the playoff, you know, two years in a row. Right. You don't have to win it necessarily because it is a harder standard now. But, you know, you're not going to want to miss that for a couple of years. So um, you're right. I mean, I don't know where they go from here, but whoever they hire is not going to approach what Nick Saban did over the last 17 years. I don't think there's any doubt about it. We're talking with Bama Bob, breaking down Nick Saban, moving on now. I don't know if this has been out there because it seems like a very easy one. A lot of people talking about him maybe joining the set of game day. He's been really good in that role, and you get him. He is really good. Yeah, at that. yeah. He he would be, I think, an, a welcome addition there and do a good job. But well, as long as I've known you, Bama, and as long as I've been talking on the radio airwaves now for two decades, I've been bitching about. You've been bitching about. We need a college football czar. We need somebody to run yeah. college football. There isn't one person that I know of that cares more about college football than Nick Saban. There it is. You got the Big Ten ties, the SEC ties. Obviously, it's a big two now going forward. A guy that cares about the sport, West Virginia roots. There you go. You got the Big 12 thrown into there. You got three of the four <laughs> conferences now knocked out of the new Big Four. I think there's a no doubt about it, right? That would be an absolute perfect role because he evolved because they made him evolve. They made him change. He cares yeah. about this sport. If there's ever a person to make a position for, Nick Saban would be it. A thousand percent. I just think that, you know, you mentioned the evolution, and I think that's one of the things that gets overlooked. And that's why I think it's important that, you know, he came out and, you know, people are going to, you know, twist it however they want, but, you know, reasonable-minded people, you know, he wasn't shoved out. He wasn't afraid of this. He adapted to it the last couple of years. He didn't like it. And just go look at, you know, after the first four or five years, six, seven, you know, think of how those early teams did it, you know, just mauling people on the ground. You know, Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson, Eddie Lacy, that big offensive line, and then they kind of stagnated just a little bit. What does he do? He brings in Lane Kiffin, of all people, and just reinvents that program at that point, and they took off to you know even higher highs. And Tarkeesian, the same thing. That's another thing. The coaching tree is just ridiculous. You know, Kirby Smart and Jimbo Fisher and Laning and Kiffin and Sark. I mean, just big, big names. But you're right. If he were given some power to do this, he would be the perfect guy for it. I just don't know that he's going to want to. You know, I don't think the NCAA is ever going to relinquish what little power they have left over this. And I don't know how you would create somebody that could go in and, you know, make all this stuff. I'm sure his opinion has been voiced already. It's just that nobody's, you know, who who really has the power to do stuff anymore? And I don't know how you create that place to do it, but he would be the ideal guy, in my opinion, because he does care about the history. And I think this is one of the things that, you know, maybe – had as much of a distaste for him as anything else as the portal or NIL is all this conference realignment. It's ridiculous. You know, Cal and the ACC, that makes no sense. It's just the money grabs that are going on. And, but you know, again, how are you going to hurt all these cats, these ADs and the conference commissioners and the, the NCAA? And how are you going to let everybody get everybody to agree on anything? You know, when they have their own self interest, at heart, I think, is just what would prevent him from doing that. But you're right. If somehow they could create a commissioner that had the power and everybody agreed to it or, you know, input, if not power, I think he's a perfect guy for it. I just don't think he'll do it. I think you'll see him wind up on – I don't think he'll be on the set of game day on a week-to-week like Urban Meyer. Mm -hmm. I don't think he wants that. Uh, You know, he's got other things he wants to do. Um, He'll be down in, you know, Jupiter or wherever it is. 
uh, you know, on a beach somewhere. But I think for certain games, you know, SEC championship, Big Ten championship, whatever, I think there'll be a relationship with him and ESPN, and he is great on those. I mean, you know, some of the championship games that they weren't involved in, he they had him on set for two or three days, and I mean, nobody knows more football right. still. Yep. Than that guy, you know, Bill Belichick, Carroll, those guys are going to be great if they decide that's what they do. I think your, Belichick's going to keep coaching. He wants Shula's record. I don't think Saban will ever do that, obviously. But, um, you know, listen, he's going to have options. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll know whatever he wants to do. And if he wants to do nothing, he'll do nothing. I don't v- think that's the case. So. Vabo, we'll grab you again next week. Uh, a lot more on this and the changing landscape of college football. Appreciate your time sitting there in the eye of the storm down in Alabama. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it, Trent. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bama Bob talking college football and the retirement of Nick Saban here. We put a cap on things when we come back. My picks of the day, they've been red hot for you. We'll try to do the same. 7-2 against the spread so far this week. we got five games coming up, including one that tips off in 15 minutes. Come back. We got you covered. Picks of the day next, presented by Circus Sports. Haley for president. Back to Miller and Condon on KXNO and Trent's Pick of the Day, presented by Circus Sports Iowa. Trent kind of back with you one final time. Picks of the Day. They've been red hot this week. Well, Tuesday and Wednesday. 7-2 against the number. Hey, that's putting a little jingle jingle in your pocket to kick off this new year. Let's look to continue it. Starting this afternoon now, I'm dabbling in the NBA. I know, I know. Didn't see a lot on the board in college basketball, so I'm going into a spot I don't normally, but we got one coming up here in just moments. It's in Paris. It's the Cavaliers and the Nets. I'm playing the Cavaliers minus three. You could tell the conviction in my voice. One more in the NBA. Watch a lot of Celtics Timberwolves last night. Boston was able to escape with the win. Now they have to travel from Boston to Milwaukee, get in to take on the Bucks. It's the TNT game. I'm going to play Milwaukee in the back-to-back here. Give me the Bucks minus the two and a half. Getting a little bit better defensively is Milwaukee. And then my three college plays for the day. Michigan, talk about a dead team walking. How did the Hawkeyes lose to that garbage outfit? Just a brutal loss. Michigan, now Doug McDaniel, he can't travel with the team. He's going to play at home. But he's not traveling with the team. I mean, just what a disaster there. Lay it with a not very good Maryland team. Give me Michigan State in the points. They're getting four against Illinois. That should be a great one, 8 o'clock tonight. And then late night, I'll take the Beavs. Oregon State, they're getting four and a half at home against Stanford. Oregon State, Michigan State, Milwaukee, Cleveland, and the NBA, and the Terrapins. Five picks for you today. Murph and Andy coming up next here on KXNO. The Drive with Heather and Sean coming up from 3 to 6 right here on KXNO.